This is the User's Guide to Now with me, Dr. Alex Kratoski. Today, how can I help people to cope with grief? My normal response to the news of somebody's death is to turn up on their doorstep with some banana bread. It's what people have done for me. But what's happening now is new. And none of my experience with grief and loss and bereavement applies. And yet, this is exactly when we need to show up. So today, on the User's Guide to Now, I am asking the experts who've been as close to here before what I can do to help people make it through this extraordinary time. Valerie Cole works for the American Red Cross. She oversees the mental health services that the organization provides to anybody who has ever found themselves in a situation that has overwhelmed the local services. So fires, building collapse, plane crash, earthquakes, terrorist attacks. And Valerie and her team have been doing mass casualty mental health support for a long time. So when I was thinking about grief in the COVID-19 era, I wanted to know what Valerie would say about the difference between loss in a quote-unquote normal time and loss when there's so much happening at once. So I began by asking her what is different about losing somebody in a disaster than losing somebody to natural causes. Well, generally in any kind of disaster, whether it's a mass casualty or a natural disaster, the um, experience of loss is very sudden. Someone is you're generally not expecting a tornado to um, destroy your home and kill your husband. Um, so it's a very sudden experience, which creates a, a, a feeling of um, disorientation and a more severe experience, emotional experience with loss um, than if the loss was more expected. Now, that's not to say that an expected loss is not severe. For many people, it is. Even if you're, you know, if, even if your loved one has been dying for months, it's still a very difficult thing. But it's a different experience when they're suddenly wrenched away from you. This goes way beyond my experience making some food and turning up on somebody's doorstep, Valerie. I am so grateful that I have never had to support somebody who has lost a loved one in this way. So. How do you, as a professional, help people to cope with this kind of shock? Um, we provide very short-term services where we work with the family to help them start their recovery. So we help them think about what needs to be done next. This woman came into a shelter and talked to one of our mental health people and she had lost her husband in this awful tornado. She had five kids with her, and she couldn't remember their names. When she was asked, what are your children's names, she couldn't remember them. And, you know, of course, the woman was incredibly distraught. How could she forget her children's names? And so our mental health volunteer just talked to her and said, that's okay. You're stressed. You're having a really hard time right now. And just relax, breathe, slow down, you know. And so I work really hard with our volunteers to help them to provide that kind of calming presence. Help the person just breathe. Let them talk as much as they want about their story, but don't probe. 
We don't want to, we don't, we know that people, when they've been through a traumatic experience, sometimes need to let it go in order to cope. And they'll talk about it when they're ready. So we wait. We just wait. But for COVID, you've really had to adapt what you do. I mean, a lot of your work, which is on the ground, and that's very much person-to-person stuff, it totally contravenes social distancing directives. Now, I know that you've set up some remote support services. What are they? Okay, so the Integrated Condolence Care Program is... um, Um, to provide emotional comfort and resources for individuals who have lost a loved one due to COVID. Um, Basically, we have put together a website that is our virtual family assistance center. So if you go to redcross.org slash VFAC, um, you'll get to a site that has a toll-free number. And you can call that toll-free number and talk to one of um, our professional volunteers Um, about what your needs are. Even if you don't know what your needs are, you can call and we will help walk you through and and help figure out what what might be helpful for you. Now, your team, Valerie, are made up of highly trained medical and mental health professionals. What can the rest of us do? Well, I know that if, if this was not a pandemic, the first thing I would suggest is give somebody a hug. Unfortunately, we can't do that. And I think... I think that makes it difficult for family and friends of the people who are bereaved, um, people who are grieving, as well as for the person who's grieving themselves. People are not going to be able to deal with their emotions until they've got food, water, they know where their loved ones are, um, they feel safe. Then you can start talking about some of the, the psychological concerns or the emotional concerns that someone has. Um, So making sure people's basic needs are met. Um, You know, one of the problems with COVID is so many people have lost their jobs and there's food insecurity and there's economic insecurity. So part of a, um, a psychological first aid intervention would be, you know, do you have enough to eat? Um, And then things like um, providing an opportunity for people to tell their story and helping them do that, um, providing a listening ear. Um, if you're a professional working with somebody or a volunteer working with somebody, making sure that when um, when you end the conversation with them, that they know what they need to do next, that they know what their next steps are. Um, and whether it be to call you again or to reach out to someone else. Most people just really don't know what to do and what to do next and how to get past this and how to get to the point where all they're doing is missing the person and the rest of the stuff has been taken care of. And what we really want to do and what we in the Red Cross are trying to help people do um, through our program is to help people get to the point where they can miss the person and grieve the person in a way that is... Um, kind of the natural process of grieving. But at this time, anything normal seems impossible. Organizations like the Red Cross have years of experience in supporting the unique needs of people who have suffered loss during mass casualty events. But even they are having to adapt to this new normal in which even professional intervention isn't done in person, but it's done 
down the line or on a camera lens. This is the internet's greatest stress test right now. Can digital technology really support us in supporting other people during their most human hours of need? And to answer that, I spoke with David Kessler. He is an author and the founder of Grief.com, which he started after he lost his youngest son several years ago. For him, the site became a place where he found meaning in the loss, where people would virtually gather and process and observe how other people worked through the weeks and the months and the years after a death. And in his book, Finding Meaning, he wrote about how people were navigating grief in the online world, even to the degree of rejecting face-to-face -face funerals and rites because they were inconvenient. Now, that was pre-COVID-19. And what he found has a harsh relevance to now. I was beginning to see how people who were finding funerals inconvenient or the gathering or the person died in, um, you know, winter and they thought they'd have the funeral later or they didn't know what to do with the ashes seemed to be having a harder time grieving. Those rituals help us grieve. So here we're in a situation where we're not choosing not to do the rituals. The rituals have been taken from us. The very rituals that help us grieve have been taken from us alongside with our loved ones who died. One of the things that I've done in the midst of this, and people can find this on grief.com, is knowing that people were uh, dealing with grief, their grief groups were gone, they can't physically go to them. I started a daily online grief group because even though we are disconnected, it doesn't mean we can't start community and keep a community going. And I was amazed that we had a thousand people join in the first day. I wrote several years ago, uh, I wrote a book and in that book was a chapter on death. It was a it was a book about technology and how we practice ritual from afar. And I talked a little bit about the memorialization pages on Facebook and and digital death and some of the other practices there as well. And I'm wondering if you could if you could talk about to the degree that you value those types of things for people to at least be able to visit in you know in air quotes visit virtually um, a, a place where people can gather and be collective. Well, it's interesting. I mean, people are having Sunday night dinner together virtually. I mean, you really can make it work. Uh, I think, you know, you have to get someone who knows the technology, but we can make this work and we should make it work now. And, you know, it is a time I, I made a joke early on in this that, you know, that phone you have that texts, you know, it can do text. It can actually make a thing called phone calls. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to remind people that, Maybe this isn't a time to text each other. Maybe this is a time to call and FaceTime. And certainly if someone's in grief, it is a time to face call or Skype with them or Zoom with them. That's so important at this moment. What does that offer? What does that give? It offers visual connection. You know, there's something about you get to see someone. You know, when someone, if you and I are on the phone and you're just overcome you're just holding back tears and all I hear is silence. I mean, I'm going to say, are you okay? What's going on? If we're visually looking at each other on a FaceTime and I can see you, you know, fighting back tears and having a hard time talking, 
I can just sit in loving silence with you without going, are you there? Did I lose you? Is there a bad cell phone connection? I mean, there's a visual component to grief that's so important we see. I've heard about live streaming at funerals and things like that. Do you think that that adds any value to to somebody's collective experience? You know, uh, I, I, I think people have told me, you know, there was a period where it was sort of the clergy standing in front and like one or two people. And it was, the sound was challenging. The emptiness was challenging. I think we're finding virtual Zoom funerals and things like that are much better than just trying to get someone into an empty hall the way we used to do it to film a clergy talking to no one. I think it's much better if the clergy is actually on Zoom face-to-face with people who have just lost their loved ones. So I think the, the, the web streaming of funerals we did a month ago, we're realizing doesn't apply when we can't even get together. You mentioned the online version of your grief group. What are some of the other ways that you can support yourself while you're at home? Well, it's so important to have those connections with people that even though we cannot physically gather around the dining room table, it doesn't mean we can't FaceTime. It doesn't mean we can't Skype or Zoom. Now, believe me, in no way am I saying it's the same. But it is certainly better than nothing. And I want to make sure that as people are dealing with grief, grief is already isolating on a good day. It's extremely isolating in a pandemic. And if we do find ourselves struggling, what can we do? I think virtually connect with friends, virtually reach out saying, I'm having a tough time. Please, you know, join grief groups like mine on Facebook. Uh, You know, find ways to connect with others. It would be so easy to put off making that difficult phone call right now. Even more than in pre-COVID times, we're all juggling lots of different things. There are excuses in every decision. But as David says, the people who we love are struggling, and they are struggling on their own. Once this is over, they can have those hugs. But for now, oh, please do reach out and virtually touch somebody. It really is as simple as that. In the next episode of The User's Guide to Now, how is our global uncertainty fueling the flames of misinformation and what can we do to protect ourselves? See you then. Thank you to my guests today, Valerie Cole and David Kessler. There is plenty more information in the show notes, so please do have a look for tips, tricks, life hacks, and useful references. The User's Guide to Now is researched by Meredith Baker, sound designed by Steve Thompson, and produced and presented by me, Alex Kratoski. Thank you for listening, and do stay safe in there. Mm-hmm.